Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the Coriolis Rules by Free League Publishing. This actual play is performed by adults and contains adult themes. Strong language, powerful factions, and adventures across the third horizon await. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., which may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your storyteller. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your storyteller, Storyteller Mike, and we are back with another prelude in our Coriolis game, Children of the Periphery. And tonight, I have a new crew member for you to meet. And I'm going to let that crew member introduce themselves. They're going to give us their name, who they're playing, any required pronouns that we need to be available and ready to understand. And then we'll just let them name their faction and tell us a little bit about the character. Hi, this is Ali, and I am playing a character named Kainat Gala, and she belongs to the Draconite faction. She is ops on the ship, and she is a severe science character. She's an archaeologist doing research in the history of her faction, and she's not really letting anyone know yet. Yeah, we'll get to that. So we're going to take a trip, and that trip is going to be a little bit of a historical one. So Kainat, as a member of the Draconite faction, grew up on a planet and a star system a little far away from where she's at currently, where we we will place her on Coriolis Station. She grew up on the planet Mira, which is part of the Miran trade route, but eventually came to Coriolis for a number of reasons. If you'd like to give us just a, a small and brief narrative explanation as to why you're on Coriolis, so that way the listeners know what you're doing here. I am here trying to find people who can set up connections for me to look in ancient sites or ancient artifacts or even just rumors and leads about where my faction moved along the universe before settling on Mira. Right. So it's important as a historical context for our listeners to understand a couple of things. If you're not deeply seated into the Coriolis lore, just as a quick explanation to bring you up to speed, there were two ships that came through a series of portals over some time. Generational ships, we'll call them. Colony ships. One was Zenith and one was Nadir. So Nadir, upon arrival at Kua, in the system where Coriolis Station is now, Zenith arrived in seemingly one piece and Nadir mysteriously vanished. No one is certain as to where Nadir is. It never arrived. It has been generations since the settlers, the travelers who came on Zenith, essentially dismembered, deconstructed the Zenith ship and built Coriolis Station out of it. It also lent to the what's called the net, which is what exists outside Coriolis Station as sort of um, a skeletal superstructure of what Zenith used to exist as. And this is where most of the ships who come in 
to Coriolis Station dock at first and then are transported forward in a reasonable and orderly fashion. So Zenith heralded the dawn, really, of this new era. It arrived and found three dozen star systems. And some of the first people off that ship were the Draconites. And they left after making sure that people aboard the ship were awake and could be could have the freedom they so painfully had searched for. And really, in open history, known history, to the people of the Third Horizon, which is where the Coriolis setting is sometimes called, it's sometimes called the Third Horizon, it's at this point the Draconites sort of meld into the shadows. They become very mysterious. They go off. They take certain technology with them, from Zenith, and they leave. And no one is really sure about where their home system is, where their planets are, how many Draconites there are. They know that they are very willful people. They know that they are seekers of knowledge and the protector of secrets and mysteries. And sometimes they get themselves involved in situations when knowledge could potentially be weaponized against others. And so where we're going to open our camera lens now is aboard Coriolis Station. So there are many places aboard Coriolis Station where one could find knowledge. Knowledge exists all over the place. But one of the places that you have been most interested in frequenting is a place called the Invotheca. So Infotheca is a building that is maintained by a, a faction called the Consortium. So the Consortium is like a old school Earth conglomerate. That's the, the best way to imagine the faction. It's many, many, many factions inside of one big faction. The Consortium has multiple seats on the council in Coriolis. They have a lot of power. And they're very well tied in with other Zenithians. You have been looking to get beyond sort of the, we'll say the public areas when it comes to Infotheca, because you're really interested in getting access to the Museum of History. So you would know that one of the wings of the Infotheca houses that this Federation Museum hangs on to is very much of interest to you because it has post-Porter Wars history. So the era that you're familiar with, especially in your research that you've been doing, you have been very much interested in the Portal Wars post-history. And that is because the Portal Wars were sort of the springing off event of what sent Zenith and the Nadir here. And so if we're talking about the post-Portal Wars time, then what you're actually talking about is really when a lot of the core decisions of what make up your faction were made. And that also means there could be ties to or writings to or musings on the time before. It isn't uncommon for poets and writers to talk about sort of in, in muse about the time before war. You have seen that countless times in history. And that's why getting a hold of these texts could be interesting. 
or looking at relics from that era it could inform you on what those situations may have been. You have gotten as far at this point to the Arrival Exhibition. So the Arrival Exhibition inside the, just the outskirts of the museum itself, where all of the fun bits are kept here, is a modeling of what Arrival was like. And the tough part for you is, as a scholar, you can already see bits that are wrong. So much like the Foundation and some of the other media outlets here on Coriolis, they spin a version of history that is most pleasing to them. The one sort of galling portion is a relief that shows a collection of the faction members here, supposedly on Zenith, all gathered together to release the people and begin the building of the great Coriolis station. And it's tough for you as a historian because you know factually that did not happen. It does not keep you from giving space to young children who are being, you know, mentored and paraded through by their parents or siblings to look at the model and this exhibition. It's important that I don't get in the way of that because it would draw unnecessary attention despite being utterly displeased about this altered history that is not accurate. And of course, the history is written by the victors and it makes it hard to cope with that knowing what the real history is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can, you can sense and see the consortium's flair for the uplifting and hopeful dramas. It's sort of interlaced in all of the features, the colors, the faces present. Even the position of the station in the diorama later on is sort of a hopeful, tinged message. Zenithian culture is what keeps us together. And this isn't unknown to you. It's, it is sort of said amongst many of the Zenithian-held factions that everyone is Zenithian. They love saying that. To some ears, it might feel like a helpful choir noise. And to some, it might feel like a battering ram. Because some feel that what the Zenithians want to do, the people who hold Kua, the monolith, the massive, massive monolith building, and some of the other big structures here, plus, frankly, Coriolis Station for the most part, it feels like they want to rub out everything else. But as you're standing out here, uh, your communicator beeps. I will answer. Uh, you hear a fairly honeyed male voice on the other side. This is a voice you are familiar with. This is Damsa. Someone who, for, we'll just say the better part of your life, has existed as a teacher. You were raised together. You've known him from a very early age. He is a regular contact for you within the community. He's probably a little bit more shaped by modern times than, say, you are. But he's fairly connected. And he's also someone who probably is... He's probably one of the only people in your life that knows that your 
heart and mind aren't always with that form of the icon that so many of your people have come to know and revere. And he might not know necessarily where it sways to per se, but he has a sense though that maybe you're not necessarily always 100% devoted to the executioner. And that's true. I'm not devoted to the executioner. When I'm home, I do the rituals. I say the prayers and part of the community as I was raised, but the icon that I regularly feel is the traveler. Yep. Damsa's voice says, are you still staring at that puzzle that they call the arrival? What secrets does it still offer? I don't know. I feel like there's history that we just haven't seen yet and that there's stuff in the rest of the museum that leads back to what this is supposed to represent. The Is it a statue? The arrival? Yeah. Imagine like a room where you start at one side and you sort of walk as this relief and different models move are moved along. As you move along the room, you see the different eras and echoes of history. Think of it like a big mural, except three-dimensional. Okay. There's a bunch that we haven't had the opportunity to look into depth-wise, especially, and the things we haven't learned or remember about ourselves. And I feel like there's just extra clues that if I could get my hands on them, I would have a much better time understanding why certain things are represented the way they are. My mother used to say, the seeker is the finder. And so I bear no judgment against your look at history, but you will only see images that they want you to see. And to that end, I am going to offer you a bit of assistance. There is a, a worker there in the building. His name is Albari. He is a astute man perceptive and conscious and helpful. But the people within the building there treat him as if all he ever aspired to be was a lowly janitor. Ambari believes, as we do, that the Lady of Tears offers a cleansing fire to set the spirit free. And that fire can come in many shapes and forms, as you well know. If you see him and his very prominent brass-colored hat, he may have a bit of useful information for you, although it may come at a cost, as all good information does. Well, then I'll definitely be seeking him out. You know, I'm insatiable for knowledge for everything that we went through to get to where we are. I know that there are secrets that lie in those walls, ones we need to reclaim. And I'm not going to rest until I find them. The lady be with you. And with you. The communication ends. And I will put it away. I'd like to go further into the museum to see if I can spot this brass-colored hat. Okay. So I'm going to give you a wits observation roll. So that's six dice. 
And in Coriolis, it's all done with D6s. And so you'll just be rolling six dice and you will need at least one of them to be a six. It, this is a staged success, meaning that you could critical on it and could thus get additional information. I only got one. One is all you need. So after walking your way through the rest of the arrival, there is a portion of the museum that is still open to you and still available to look at some paintings and some of the other things that have been taken in here by the consortium. The foundation here has put up an amazing array of sculptures, um, but most of the stuff is things that you stared at before. But beyond one of the statues, there's a, a man who seems to be sweeping and caring for the floor. He is being very, very direct with his sweeping. You can see these arrested short strokes that he's taking to get the dust and some of the other particles out of these corners. And he wears a brass-rimmed hat. It's shaped a bit like a cushion. There's a cushion on top of it. Probably keeps his head cool. Is this a statue that's kind of in the, like, pulled away from the wall? Like, you can walk around it? Yeah, you can walk around it. So I'll walk around to the backside and place my hand against the wall. Elbari? What? Uh, oh, uh, one moment. You see him sort of attack one of the portions again with the broom, and he deftly maneuvers the tip of the broom so that way he can collect the rest of the dust and then dumps it into his basket and then turns to you. Puts both of his hands on the top of the broom and sort of stands at attention. He reaches up and pulls the brass-colored hat off and uh, nods to you. How might I be of service? Well, I heard a rumor... And that rumor is that you happen to know far more about everything in the museum than is actively presented. That because you do all of this care and maintenance on the building, that you have seen and experienced more. Indeed, I am fortunate to work and to serve the people here in a way that is pleasing. He gestures to the floor, the rest of the floor, sort of out under the museum floor. And he says, see, there is so many of our pieces of history that need to be kept clean. I am simply a lowly follower of the deckhand. He smiles wide. So with this particular rumor and knowing that you have gotten to see many sites that the public hasn't seen. Is there anything that you were willing to share about the history? I could share much, but uh, it is important that you eat the salt, but not break the salt shaker. Do you understand? Yes. Good. The position here that I have attained while on the outside might seem simple, it affords me time to maintain the museum, to do what is right, to put things in the right place. There are things here which have been left out of place. And so 
perhaps you might be willing to put them in the right place. I would have to know what those particular things are. There is a small archive, which is not meant for this place. It contains information on places far from here. Like where? He looks around the museum space. This is not a place for those words. No, I suppose not. To understand, you will need to read the archive. This will take time. Uh, Is this particular archive open to the public? You're not really sure. Okay. I think the conundrum you're probably having is you're not real sure if Elbari is speaking in literal terms or or figurative terms. And so I'll give you an empathy cultural to see if he is speaking in, we'll just say, nuanced terms. Okay. That is two successes. Okay. So it's enough to succeed, but it's not enough for a critical. I think the the thing that you get initially is that the word archive has a little bit of play. It might not be a building, it might be an object. Abari says, I can give you access to where the archive is if you are willing to see it through. Unlocking the knowledge may take time and effort. I'm willing to put in that effort. I seek knowledge of the past. And if the archive is something that will do that, then my interest is high. And I am intrigued and I am eager to learn. Very well. I would suggest, though, that this archive, its true intentions may not exist in the past. It may inform something else. He opens his palm and there is a wafer-thin piece of metal on it. It's probably no bigger than a credit card. Okay. So where can I pick this up at to access the archive? He takes the metal object and with the deafness that you were not expecting, he spins it up into his finger, his index and middle finger, and offers it to you almost as if it's like a playing card. And he says, there is a door at the end of the hall. This will allow you to enter the depths of the facility. He gives you some rudimentary directions. Just strike that. If you use this, you'll be able to access a lower floor where they keep bits of important history pieces. The archive is a dark box. He gives you the rough dimensions. It's about the size of, we'll just say, a college textbook. So I guess the last question is, am I removing the box in order to seek the knowledge? Or am I leaving it there and returning a few different times in order to obtain the knowledge. He raises an eyebrow and says, have a wonderful rest of your day. I have a museum to sweep. And he turns without another word and, you know, takes his sort of sweeping broom and 
buskering continues on down the line. You hear lots of spirited sweeping. What do you do? So this hallway that he points down, is there like art that goes all the way down? Yeah. Okay. Um, And what time of day is it? Mostly because I imagine that there's still times where something like the museum would close, right? Yeah. It doesn't close for several hours. I'm currently going to just make a note of where the door is. I'm not sure that I want to go down there just yet. Unless there's a lot of people in this section of the museum. There really isn't. Is it pretty typical for the museum to get busy at all? Like if there's a new sculpture or painting that comes in? You're not really sure. Because I don't spend a lot of time at the museum. Right. I'd like to like kind of go back near like the entrance to see if there are flyers or a sign that's announcing something new coming into the museum. You don't see any flyers or announcements. Okay, so if I'm not seeing anything that would give me ease of access, I'll go back down the hall and take my time really actively looking at all of these pictures and and really taking my time. Okay. And I'll get closer to the door and I want to look and see if there's a security camera or a humming noise that would indicate some sort of barrier. Yeah, that's reasonable. Go ahead and give me a wits observation roll. It's a lovely three successes. Oh, wonderful. So you notice that the museum has several security cameras. They all point in a lot of different directions. They are noticeable and obvious. They all have very similar shapes. They all have LED lights that show that they're on and working. And the one that is pointed directly at this door does not. Is there a camera that is further into the museum that would also be pointed in this general area? Mm, Maybe. Hard to say to pinpoint it without really looking suspicious. You might have to operate on faith. So I'm going to take out that thin metal key, I would assume, that was given. Going to look at the picture that's closest to it, just hiding the side that I'm going to slip that key into. Okay, so I would like you to roll Wits Data Gin for me. Because this little device is going to give you a one die bonus. And it is going to essentially, as you present it towards the door, it's going to help you overcome this access point. Okay, so does that mean I have seven dice? Yes, it does. Okay. That's a whole one success. One success is all you need. So you hear the door accelerate a little bit, the internal locking mechanism. And then with just the slightest bump sound, the door opens up towards you. I'm going to very gently push the door open in hopes that it's not going to make any noise. 
push the door open. It doesn't make any noise. That's fantastic. And I'm going to slide my body in as small of a hole as I can. The less likely to draw eyes to myself as possible. Sure. You do so. With uh, the directions given to you, you are able to make your way down the hallway. Is the set of stairs that goes to the lower level pretty close? Mm-hmm. And is there another door that would mark like an exit in this hallway that might lead outside? No, not from here. You'd have to exit back into the museum. Okay. So where are the stairs fairly close then? Close enough. Okay. You were looking for an exit already? You just got here. Contingency plans, my dude. Following the path that you were given, you take it downstairs. The stairs are fairly close, probably no more than maybe 15 meters inside this space along the hallway. And you reach a space where at the end of the stairway, uh, it opens up into a very small hallway, very small in length anyway. There is another door, but this door has a slight window in it. It's probably no more than, we'll say, eight inches wide and maybe about a foot or two tall. It's just enough to see into the space. Well, I'll look into the space. You look into the space. You can see various tables set up with um, dim lighting in the space beyond these doors. And there are objects which adorn each one of these tables. Different shapes, different sizes, some statue pieces, some which are probably paintings or reliefs that have been secured. Okay. Is the piece I'm seeking in view? It is. It's in the center of the room, roughly speaking. So there are nine tables, so three rows of three. And in the center, there is a box object, which is standing up. And it clearly is illuminated, even in the darkness here, uh, the surrounding darkness. It's illuminated by a dim light overhead that you can see that there's some sort of artistry, some sort of pattern work that surrounds the outside of it. Are there any security cameras outside this door? <laughs> now you ask. Yeah. No, luckily for you, there are no security cameras outside this door. Is there a visible lock that is the same shape as the current key that I have? Mm-hmm. I'm going to put that key into the lock and open the door slowly and peek in to see if there are security cameras in this room. You don't see any security cameras in this room with your peek in. This looks like what is, in effect, like a library workroom. Okay. A walk further into the room, is there... I, I bet the answer is no, but is there any, like, paper that people take notes on? No, they wouldn't take notes on paper here. Yeah, I didn't think so. Are there any handheld scanners in this room? Yes. So I'm going to use one of those to scan all of the dimensions of the box that I can see currently. Okay. So you're going to do it 
a handheld scanner is going to have to be held fairly close. So you're going to go over to the table to do this. Yeah. Okay. You head over the table and begin making scans of the box. Up close, you can tell that it's really not a box uh, in the sense that it is a container of sorts. So it looks like a manufactured container that probably holds data. And the artistry that's inside of it really is likely done for effect rather than actual use. But there are some beautiful scale patterns that wrap around it from one side to the other. And they're gold. And then clearly on the internal side, there's green and then maybe a bit of purple that sort of reflect. Okay, well, I'll take scans anyway. And then I'm going to like look around the edge on the top and on the sides to see if there's a way to open this container. Mm, okay. It looks like it has ports. Like it could be connected to a computer, but the ports, like the insides of them are missing. You know, they've been disconnected. The port itself doesn't really even look modern. It doesn't look like something you would use. It's very different. Would I happen to know about this port, even if it's not modern? No. You've never seen an interface like this? Okay. So in in those scans, I have the, I have what the port would look like, I imagine. You have the rough dimensions, and in the scans, you have the size of the port, but not the actual connector. Okay. So, like, the, the best way to explain this for me is, imagine a USB connector on a computer but with the internals of the USB on the computer internal side taken out. So you would see what the hole looks like, but you wouldn't know what goes there. Okay. So I'm going to leave the container, this box, where it is. I'm not going to worry about taking it with me right now. Okay. Because I don't think that I can smuggle it out safely. Okay. Like, I didn't bring a bag with me. I don't think I'm uh, big enough to just wrap around it and leave the museum without being caught by a security camera. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to leave it where it is, but I'm going to take this data scanner with me so that I can hook it up to the database that I own so that I can potentially look up what kind of port it is. I imagine it's going to take a while, and then I'm going to be combing through a lot of data. But maybe. Maybe there's something there. Maybe. Okay. We'll say that you make your exit with the scanner. Back up the stairway, covertly back out into the museum floor, and then using the cover of the afternoon crowd, find your way back out of the museum and begin to head towards your temporary quarters on Coriolis. I say temporary as if you live anywhere else, but, you know, it's pretty much home for now. And I think that's as great a place to any as to end for you. So we'll leave you quietly and quickly making your way back towards your residence. And we'll pick up next time when we see the rest of the crew. So th thank you so much for joining us on this episode, this prelude episode of our newest campaign, Children of the Periphery. We look forward to seeing what happens next. 
Thank you and good night.